We're in uh, Daniel chapter 2 this morning, and there's real beauty in just reading scripture. So I'm going to, uh, to start by reading the chapter. In the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His spirit was troubled, and his sleep left him. Then the king commanded that the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans be summoned to tell the king his dreams. So they came in and stood before the king. And the king said to them, I had a dream, and my spirit is troubled to know the dream. Then the Chaldeans said to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we will show the interpretation. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, The word from me is firm. If you do not make known to me the dream and its interpretation, you shall be torn limb from limb, and your houses shall be laid in ruins. But if you show the dream and its interpretation, you shall receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. Therefore, show me the dream and its interpretation. They answered a second time and said, Let the king tell his servants the dream, and we will show its interpretation. The king answered and said, I know with certainty that you are trying to gain time, and uh, because you see that the word from me is firm. If you do not make the dream known to me, there is but one sentence for you. You have agreed to speak lying and corrupt words before me, Till the times change. Therefore, tell me the dream, and I shall know that you can show me its interpretation. The Chaldeans answered the king and said, There is not a man on earth who can meet the king's demand, for no great and powerful king has asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or Chaldean. The thing that the king asks is difficult. And no one can show it to the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. Because of this, the king was angry and very furious and commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be destroyed. So the decree went out and the wise men were about to be killed. And they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. Then Daniel replied with prudence and discretion to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. He declared to Arioch, the king's captain, why is the decree of the king so urgent? Then Arioch made the matter known to Daniel. And Daniel went in and requested the king to appoint him a time that he might show the interpretation to the king. Then Daniel went into his house and made the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, and told them to seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery, so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. 
He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness, and the light dwells with him. To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise, for you have given me wisdom and might, and you have made known to me what we ask of you, for you have made known to us the king's matter. Then Daniel went into Arioch, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said thus to him, do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Bring me in before the king, and I will show the king the interpretation. Then Arioch brought in Daniel before the king in haste and said thus to him, I have found among the exiles from Judah a man who will make known to the king the interpretation. The king declared to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, are you able to make known to me the dream that I have seen and its interpretation? Daniel answered the king and said, no wise men, enchanters, magicians, or astrologers can show to the king the mystery that the king has asked. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries, and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar What will be in the later days? Your dream and the visions of your head as you lay in your bed are these. To you, O king, as you lay in bed came thoughts of what would be after this. And he who reveals mysteries has made known to you what is to be. But as for me, this mystery has been revealed to me, not because of any wisdom that I have more than all the living, but in order that the interpretation may be made known to the king and that you may know the thoughts of your mind. You saw, O king, and behold a great image, this image mighty and exceedingly and of exceeding brightness stood before you and its appearance was frightening. The head of this image was of fine gold, its chest and arms of silver, its middle and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. And as you looked, a stone was cut out by no human hand, and it struck the image on the feet of iron and clay and broke them in pieces. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold all together were broken in pieces and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors, and the wind carried them away so that not a trace of them could be found. But the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. This was your dream. Now we will tell the king its interpretation. You, O king, the king of kings, to whom the God of heaven has given the kingdom, the power and the might and the glory, and into whose hand he has given wherever they dwell, the children of man, the beasts of the field and the birds of the heavens, making you rule over them. You are the head of gold. Another kingdom inferior to you shall rise after you, and yet a third kingdom of bronze shall rule over all the earth. And there shall be a fourth kingdom, strong as iron, because iron breaks the pieces and shatters all things. And like iron that crushes, it shall break and crush all these. And as you saw, the feet and toes, partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, shall be a divided kingdom. But some of the firmness of iron shall be in it, 
just as you saw iron mixed with the soft clay. And as the toes of the feet were partly iron and partly clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly brittle. You saw the iron mixed with soft clay, so they will mix with one another in marriage, but they will not hold together, just as iron does not mix with clay. In those days of the kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed, nor shall the kingdom be left to other people. It shall break in pieces all these kingdoms and bring them to an end, and it shall stand forever. Just as you saw that stone was cut from a mountain by no human hand, and it broke to pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God has made known to the king what shall be after this. The dream is certain, and its interpretation sure. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell upon his face and paid homage to Daniel and commanded that an offering of incense be offered to him. The king answered and said to Daniel, Truly, your God is God of gods and Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, for you have been able to reveal this mystery. Then the king gave Daniel high honors and many great gifts and made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief prefect over all the wise men of Babylon. Daniel made a request of the king and he appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. But Daniel remained in the king's court. Life in our world is very uncertain. But as we can see from this chapter and be reminded that God is in control and living within the knowledge of the God that we have is enough and God will honor our obedience to him. We are living in a crazy, uncertain world. Things we never thought would happen are happening. Perhaps Daniel felt the same way. Rather than looking at the dream, what I'd like to look at are the personalities involved. The first person mentioned in this chapter is Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. Nebuchadnezzar was famous for his military campaigns for his construction projects in his capital of Babylon. And at the time of his death, he was the most powerful ruler in the known world. And as we read in chapter one, and the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand. And this great king had dreams. His spirit was troubled and his sleep left him. The greatest, most powerful man on the earth had insomnia. Perhaps in Nebuchadnezzar's uneasy dreams, we can see ourselves or see a glimpse into the hearts and minds of those around us. There can be a deep sense of insecurity that we cannot overcome. And so people become inappropriately angry. Checkout lines at the supermarket or or various other public places, or fearful, driving in their cars by themselves with the windows up and a mask on. We drink or use other substances in excess to dull our minds. 
We pursue pleasures in an unhealthy manner as distractions to keep us, keep our minds off of the uncertainty of our times. Even during good moments in our lives, the thoughts can creep in as to what is the purpose of life, the thoughts and fears of what the future holds, nagging thoughts about the frailty and uncertainty of life. Even Solomon in his greatness, with all of his pleasures and and pursuits, could cry out in Ecclesiastes that all is vanity. And then we come to Daniel. It's Father's Day. So think about Daniel. He had a dad. He had parents. He was a captive in a foreign land. And yet he appears to be well-grounded. And that speaks to his upbringing. I'd like to think that he had a good dad, a good mom and dad. Parents, Daniel had a strong foundation. He knew there was a God in heaven. The foundation began at a young age. We read in Proverbs, train up a child in the way he shall go. And when he's old, he won't depart from it. Our world is a turbulent world. Our children are growing up in a turbulent world. There are less and less absolutes based on any moral anchor. Perhaps the same was true for Daniel. He was kidnapped. He was immersed in a pagan culture. He arrives in this new world and is placed in a fragile place of privilege. But it was tenuous at best. But he had a knowledge of God and a desire to please him. He has an understanding that there is one true God, the God in heaven, the God that all other gods are false and weak, nothing but idols. It's powerful to remember when we are so easily distracted and led away, if we just hold on to the truth that there is a God in heaven who is the true God. And Daniel trusts in God. And in trusting in God, he knows and believes that God will honor him in his life. He trusts that God will honor his choice of diet in chapter 1, where he says, give us a 10-day test and see if we aren't looking healthier and better than the rest of our peers. He's faced with dismemberment and trust that God will reveal the dream and its interpretation. He asked for an audience before the king, before even asking God to reveal the dream to him, because he's operating from an understanding of the position that he knows he's in before the God of the universe. And he knows that God has already given to him an understanding of dreams and their interpretations. And he trusts that to continue. He takes what he knows of God and keeps on applying it to his life. It's like a revealing science experiment where he just 
as he tests God more, God proves himself more and more to be faithful. He operated from a position of living within the framework of what he knew of God and what God had already done in his life. That's pretty simple, right? What would it look like in our lives if we were to be able to do the same, to operate within the principle of what we knew of God and his character and what he'd already done in our lives? The faith of a child building on an awareness of God acting. Alan challenged us two weeks ago to dare to be a Daniel. Let us choose to be exceptional in our relationship with God and in our knowledge of him and in our obedience to him. And just think how our world could look different. The captive was greater than the king. The child of God, more secure than the agnostic or polytheist. The children living in confidence rather than in fear. Let's try to live as one who not only knows there is a God, a God in heaven, but who is in relationship with him. Knowing that he loves us and holds us in his hand. Daring to be a Daniel is not a life in a vacuum, not a life alone, but a life in society, a life in a place of eternal love and eternal security in the hand of the God of the universe. We are increasingly strangers in a strange land, but we are, child, we are children of the God of the universe, the God in heaven. And so as, as Daniel had this spontaneous praise, blessed be the name of God forever and ever. When we look in the New Testament, it talks about those who believed in the name. Or the disciples, when they were arrested, were charged with not to preach or teach in the name. The name encompasses the whole body of knowledge of the God of the universe and our relationship with him. Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and the light dwells with him. To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise. So as we began, life is uncertain, but we are in relationship and know the God of the universe. Let's operate within that framework. Let's take the simple things that we know of him and his person and who he is and seek to honor him with our lives and obey him in simple ways. And let's see how he uses us to change the world around us. Blessings to you all.